This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, a wise man once said, you can't play him until you schedule him. And then, of course, we're here to commentate on him. It is Cardinals Underground, the Thursday football edition, coming off the release of the NFL schedule. 272 matchups. We'll take them all one by... Actually, we won't. It's all brought <laughs> to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, Kyle Odegaard. Kyle, if you want to take them one by one later in your own personal breakout session, uh, feel free. But we're here to talk about the Cardinals schedule. And we don't want this to turn into, like the airing of grievances so and i'm most guilty of that so if i start going down that road because really i don't think there's anything too legit to complain about so if i end up being that guy the get off my lawn guy as i look at this schedule then feel free to smack me upside of the head and tell me to get a grip because i think there is a lot to like in the schedule what do you think it's never stopped you before paul i mean even if there's nothing to gripe about you'll still gripe about it you know what? Just for that, I'm going to have a hot take at the very end. You know who's not griping about this, by the way, is Buda Baker. So if you're wondering how, why did the Cardinals end up with a bye week in week 12? Well, it syncs up beautifully with Buda Baker and his budding family. Him and his girlfriend are expecting their firstborn the exact week of the Cardinals bye week. So on the Big Red Rage, when he revealed that, we had to ask him, did you call Raj? Did you get, did you make a call to Park <laughs> Avenue? Did you, did you actually plan that accordingly? And, and Buddha said, no, but I might just send Roger Goodell a thank you card. Yeah, it works out pretty well, doesn't it, for him? And, and that's assuming, you know, let, let, let's, let's not get, uh, I don't want to uh, make it, an, uh, as, as Wolf likes to say, an affront to the athletic process. We don't want this to be an affront to, the, right. uh, the na- uh, to nature. And, and say that the baby is going to absolutely come right when that bye week happens. But certainly, you kind of like having that little window there that, that makes it a possibility. Yeah, never affront the nine-month maturation process. Okay, let's, let's make that clear. Uh, right. By the way, Kyle, I know you were wondering, you and Wolf are like this. You guys always ask the nosy questions. Uh, the number is 35 large. The number that it cost Buda Baker to buy out all the remaining 32 jerseys and go with number three was 35k is that above or below what you expected i mean that was actually below i was a little bit worried that the number could get super exorbitant so it was good to put a number on it uh hat tip to Polly, the investigative reporter on that one to get it out of buddha but that's that's a decent chunk for most americans but buddha has got a nice fat little bank account now so he can afford that and I think you made the point too. This is a marketing opportunity. He can get that money back, be number three, take ownership of it. It might it might have been a good decision in the end. Well, I, I'm disappointed, Paul, that you didn't 
go further a little bit deeper because now that this is the second time he's done it what the follow-up should have been is ah 35 so how much did you pay when you went from 36 to 32 because he also had to pay then that's the question i mean he wasn't even a pro bowler then yet was he so i'm assuming it was it was a nominal number however to kyle's point i bet you it was a bigger percentage of his salary then yeah. than it is now now if you do the math and you do the equivalent of what it is for an average american it's probably like buddha paying his cable bill that's <laughs> yeah. probably how much it cost him based on a 16 million dollar a year salary right yeah i think i think he'll be all right and hey these guys love their numbers you you, you think it's just a jersey but they're so attached to it and i mean it says a lot about who they are and you look at the back and you see your your last name on there and you want a number that fits you. And once you get to a certain level in the NFL, you can start moving numbers. When you come in, a lot of times the rookies are just assigned something and don't have much of a say in it. So Boot is at the point where he's one of the best safeties in the NFL. And he felt like, I want to be a single digit. It's a new thing. I mean, safeties couldn't do that before. So he's he's a bit of a trailblazer now as well. And we did get it out of him. He wanted to go the whole, we're taking it one week at a time. And he started with Tennessee and he didn't want to look past the opener in Nashville. I'm like, come on, Buddha, you're from Seattle. So we finally got it out of him. The yes, when the schedule comes out, he looks for when the Cardinals are going to his hometown to play against the Seahawks. And that is going to be in week 11. Uh, and that'll be November 21st at Seattle. How about you guys? Darren, starting with you, what do you look for first? What jumps out? Just some general thoughts on this schedule 2021. Well, I mean, the first things that jump out at me, I mean, some of the obvious ones, playing three of the first four on the road. Uh, and we already knew early in the day, uh, the day the schedule came out, that they were going to be going to Tennessee. But uh, to, to have that game against a playoff team the first week, to have to go cross country, to play Jacksonville, and then then you get the Rams on the road, and we all know the trouble this team's had with the Rams. That's a that's a little bit of a daunting start to this to the season, and and that pulls my attention. And the other thing was um, getting the Packers in in a primetime game. Uh, you know, I, I think that game would have been a big deal anyways, but uh, and and there's a lot of uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers, but it's going to be very interesting to me. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the networks, maybe the league says, man, Cardinals Packers, uh, that tends to do some nice things at State Farm Stadium. So um, maybe that was part of it. So that that also drew my attention. Yeah, three primetime games for the Cardinals. Don't get me started. And now the Saints somehow got five primetime games. Is Park Avenue aware they don't have Drew Brees any longer? Were they, were they aware of the retirement? I don't understand that. But once again, that's dangerously close to touching the third rail of airing of grievances. So, Kyle, I'll toss it to you and your thoughts. Um, I think what stands out is obviously that Christmas Day uh, game against the Colts. That's pretty unique to have that. And to have that at home is is kind of a cool thing. And um, just that that those last three games, you go Colts and then at Dallas and, and the Seahawks at home. And we'll see what everything's looking like at that point. But that's a very uh, pivotal stretch, it seems like to me. And it reminds me of, of last season where the Cardinals had a lot of tough games down the stretch and it, it didn't work out for them where they started so hot and then the competition ramped up a little bit and they lost some games and ended up missing the playoffs. So they certainly don't want history to repeat itself again and they're going to need to win early and then also win these late games if they do want that playoff chance to become a reality. 
I'm not going to lie. When I first heard the Cardinals were going to be playing on Christmas Day, which is a Saturday, you thought, okay, you were going to get Christmas Day to yourself. But then when I realized it was an evening game, 6-15 kick, all right, that's pretty cool. That, that works out. You know, I, I'll take that. So as for other areas where I was somewhat shocked, thanks for asking, I can't believe that Kyler against Baker isn't on national TV. I think that's a mistake. I think they failed. I think that's guaranteed drama and entertainment value. I was surprised, Kyle, that wasn't that wasn't on one of the platforms on a national basis. Yeah, I'm wondering if, and I guess maybe the first matchup wasn't primetime either, but I'm wondering just because they've played once, and the same thing with the Dallas one where Kyler and Cliff are going to Dallas, but they did that last year. I don't know if that takes some of the luster off because it's not – the very first matchup and, and overall, I mean, I think every single team or maybe 28 of them probably feels like they should have more primetime games when it comes down to it. And the schedule makers are kind of in a tough spot where there aren't that many. And there's clearly the marquee teams that are on a lot and maybe those guys are on too much, but it's ratings. And those are the ones they think are going to get the most viewership. So I don't want to be too hard on the the schedule makers like Paul's going hard against them with his grievances. But uh, I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. Kyler Baker should be fun. And then Kyler and Dallas again should be fun. But Cardinals got three in the end. I think that was probably about what they were going to get. Don't forget, too, when it comes to the primetime games, it, it really it doesn't have anything to do with the schedule makers in terms of I mean, they just make the schedule and they put all these teams and then the networks are the ones plucking the games out. We don't know. What other games are on October 17th when the, the Browns play the Cardinals or, or maybe that January 2nd game when they're playing the Cowboys? But the schedule makers make the schedule and the networks are the ones that figure out, okay, where everybody is. And the, the other possibility for that Browns-Cardinals game is maybe Fox said, hey, 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 we don't want you taking that game. We, this is a game that we want to make sure that we get on our airwaves. Don't be stealing it away for Monday night football or whatever. And I, I, I personally think, three primetime games was what the Cardinals ended up with is, is probably about fair for where they are and kind of where they are in the hierarchy of what people pay attention to. And, and realistically, um, uh, because I'm very much a selfish person, uh, I don't like primetime games because I don't want to work night games. I'd rather have them be done in the day. So I, I'm not going to cry too much about three primetime games. Well, so Buddha's been calling into the schedule makers and so is Darren. Is that the deal? That's, that's right. We're going to have we're going to have a conference call right after the end of Cardinals Underground here brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, by the way, I should have mentioned that the game at Cleveland is the four o'clock Eastern time slot. So that's going to be a large percentage of the country viewing that. Correct. I mean, that easily could have been a morning game for the Cardinals. It's not. It's a one o'clock Arizona kick. So I'm guessing to Darren's point, maybe. Fox did decide to showcase that to a certain degree without putting it in primetime. Yeah. And I think these afternoon games are almost primetime light in some instances when there's only three sometimes, or even two dependent on the schedule. And I, I get reminded of Bill's Cardinals where that was a, that was an afternoon game. It wasn't in primetime, but I think a bunch of people saw that live and the game probably went longer than the others. So they all switched to that, but it feels like a bunch of people saw Deandre Hopkins make that hail Mary catch live on television. So yeah, I mean, primetime is obviously the ultimate viewership 
spot, but sometimes those afternoon games, you, you get a decent amount of pub because so many went in the morning. Well, the most sought after game, if you believe some of the executives at the NFL level and they were talking to NFL Network, the most sought after game, the power pole of games was Brady v. Belichick, Tom Brady going back to Foxborough. And there was a serious battle behind the scenes for that one. It ended up on Sunday night football and the schedule makers revealed they purposely put it week four because they didn't want to have any threat of a December nor'easter blowing through and impacting that game. They wanted to make sure there was ideal weather, uh, you know, at least the chance thereof in Foxborough. So there you go. That's week four Sunday night football. And that is based on the power poll of everyone in expectations, anticipation, Brady going back to Foxborough. Somebody said, I thought I saw somewhere on social media already that if you're trying to go get tickets right now, it's already like 1200 bucks a ticket, <laughs> like on, on the open market. So, you know, that's, uh, that's only going to get worse, I would think. By the way, the Bears somehow ended up without any back-to-back -back road games. That's only the fourth time that's happened in the last decade where a team got their schedule and didn't have a single back-to-back -back road game set. That's hard to believe. And by the way, one other Tom Brady factoid, I'm not sure why we're throwing out these meaningless factoids over here, but I had no idea. They tweeted out that Tom Brady has played in 299 career NFL games. He's never played a game in L.A., ever. <laughs> never played in Los Angeles, Tom Brady. That's a no comprendo right there. But getting back to the Cardinals schedule, and you know what? You look at that season opener, what have we heard all season long, all off-season long? Cardinals want to get more physical. It seems to be priority number one with the GM, Steve Kime. I mean, Kyle, are they not going to find out at Nashville going against Derrick Henry and a Mike Vrabel team? Yeah, I mean, that's the epitome of a downhill running team that likes to do play action off it. It's a very old school offense compared to a lot of these quick hitter stuff that you see with Cliff Kingsbury and a lot of the other coaches that do the shotgun and all that. And, and Tennessee can be old school at times. So I, I think you're right. Like handling them will be interesting because a lot of defenses aren't built for that type of team because there are so many spread teams and you're looking at defensive backs and, and getting uh. faster. And now you get something like this. And it, it reminds me of this, all this Zayvon Collins talk where there's the report that he's going to be put in as they're starting Mike linebacker immediately. And Jordan Hicks's future with the team is a little bit in doubt. I mean, can he find a trade partner to go somewhere else or will he come back? And if he does, it seems more like a reserve role than that starting Mike linebacker. And if you have Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons starting in the middle of your defense in week one, Tennessee is probably going to try to exploit that and, and figure out ways to fool them and do play action and do other stuff and make sure that they can read what the Titans are doing. So it's, it's a big responsibility right out of the gate for Zayvon Collins, the rookie, but Isaiah Simmons too, who does not have a lot of experience playing inside linebacker in his career. And look, I did a little digging on that. I am told do not expect Jordan Hicks to be on this team this year when the regular season kicks off. So from everything we can tell, gentlemen, it is going to be a combo of Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. And yeah, whether Zayvon Collins is fully calling the defense, for example, would you have a Buda Baker maybe take over in that capacity? It's, you know, you guys know, and, and we talked to Buda a little bit about this. 
Jordan Hicks is a guy who would be making adjustments to the defense moments before the snap. Yeah, he'd be telling guys, no, no, over there, over there. And he'd be making quick alignments. And Tyron Matthew used to do a lot of that back in the day. So could Buda Baker assume that role? But what if he's playing center field and he's deep safety? It's impossible to communicate with fans in the stands to the front seven. So there's some big questions, obviously, about how the Cardinals advance. Joseph in particular, how much is he going to put on the plate of a Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons? And what exactly are they going to they're going to ask him to do. And then, oh, by the way, when you're done calling it and making the adjustments and trying to read and react, here comes Derek Henry through the A-gap <laughs> downhill, ready to put his shoulder pads down. So you talk about a welcome to the NFL moment, Darren. I mean, Nashville is going to be it for Zayvon Collins. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think there's a, you know, there's a lot on the line for this whole team going to Tennessee. I mean, you're you're talking about opening with a playoff team. You're talking about a team that's been successful. Now, they they've had a couple of, of losses uh, in terms of personnel uh, in free agency and, and, but they're well coached and they're a solid team. And, you know, it's, it's not the kind of, you know, it's, it's going to be an early start. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to see like the preseason two and the way it wraps up. I mean, these, this team, they'll probably get somewhere around, you know, nine or 10 days between games, but to have to go on the road all the way to New Orleans in the preseason to finish up, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting that you're going all the way over there. I'm, I'm going to, I actually shed some tears knowing that we weren't going to wrap up in, uh, in Denver um, and in the preseason. And actually I was a little disappointed because I was hoping uh, after we lost it last year, that we were going to be able to go to Las Vegas for a preseason game. Cause we, uh, the Cardinals were supposed to, go there last year to open up the building and that didn't happen. So, but I am, I'm curious to know how this team re- responds to having a long road trip at the end of the preseason. Yeah. Starters probably won't play a whole lot, but um, you know, you're still making that trip and then you got to go all the way back over to Tennessee and you're playing a playoff team. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot on the line for beyond Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. You know what? Add that to the list of grievances. Give me a moment. You're right. Preseason grievances. I forgot about that. You know, what about the tradition of ending the preseason with the Denver Broncos? I mean, come on now. We're not adhering to that sort of tradition. And yeah, why not a trip to the Las Vegas Raiders in that brand new building, especially when the Cardinals were so influential in the design and construction of that building that Mark Davis relied on Michael Bidwell and the organization for a lot of the input as to how to go about putting together that building in the desert, Kyle. Paul, you're upset about not going to, or going to new Orleans on the company dime. Kyle, I didn't want to bring this up, but are you sure you're still allowed to make the new Orleans road trip? Didn't you have that incident a couple of years ago? (laughs) Are you still sure? We, we better not talk about that. Um, I think our new Orleans trips, there's always been like early games the next day. So you could kind of go out, but you couldn't really go out. But uh, I'm never going to complain about a trip to new Orleans. Kyle be covering that game from his hotel room still (laughs) via zoom. Well, here's, here's the thing. We, you know, he needs the extra time to recover. We don't know. We don't know when that kickoff is either. If it's a, if it's a classic night preseason game, that's a, that's a dangerous proposition so that you have some of the data the next day. I was, right. I was doing the virtual uh, virtual work before it was cool because of New Orleans. <laughs> uh, you know what teams do gripe about? Now, this is according to a, an interview on the NFL Network with the head of scheduling making who said they literally get started on January 4th. The regular season ended January 3rd. 
they started January 4th. And then the last month or so before the schedule is released, they're basically 24 seven in some sort of draft room of their own. And they're putting this thing together. He said, one of the things teams gripe about the most now is when they have a Monday night game, then have to go on a long road trip the next week. Well, guess what? The Arizona Cardinals in week 14 have a Monday night game against the Rams and then have to go on the road to the Eastern time zone against the Detroit Lions. So, boom, should we add that to the list, guys? I mean, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that one's a more legitimate gripe than going to New Orleans for fun. Um, but I, I think, like, the Cardinals being on the West Coast, being kind of spread out, it's it's naturally just going to be more mileage. And you look at, like, Seattle every year, they're just – they're always among the leaders of travel because they're just further. So – if you're in that sweet spot of like the Midwest or the East coast, and you're just going to neighboring cities, I think you make out better. And it's just kind of part of the deal for the Cardinals where they're just going to be traveling more. And you're right. Like the Monday night, only the six days going to Detroit. That's, that's kind of rough, but I think at this point we kind of expect it that the Cardinals are going to have some of these tough trips and knowing that the lions are in rebuilding mode, that that's kind of a break where you are going and the travel's an issue, but if you can just win that one and get back, you'll feel okay about it. Maybe the NFL screwed up. Maybe they're thinking, okay, we want to put the Cardinals against Matthew Stafford this week and against Jared Goff the next week. And they just forgot they had switched teams. <laughs> Very plausible, very plausible. And, 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 you know, maybe they thought that, you know, Lions are in the division, so they consider it an NFC West game because they play every year. Yeah, that, absolutely. Fair. And the other hand, when you're in Detroit in December, thank goodness for Ford Field and climate control. So you'll take that every day of the week. Honestly, I think Ford Field is the most underrated venue in the NFL. I think that's a really cool stadium. I, I really like it. I think it's, it's well done. I just love the atmosphere in there and I feel sorry for Lions fans who haven't had anything to really rejoice about since 1957 hashtag Bobby Lane we won't get into that speaking of weather though as the sideline pencil neck I will say I was thankful really the only two weather games potentially would be at Chicago in early December uh, that could be 55 degrees it could be 55 below you have no idea what you're in store for there weather-wise and then Jacksonville in late September. Uh, either one of you guys, a Florida guy, educate me here. Uh, how, what's the potential for serious heat and humidity on, what is it, September 26th at Jacksonville? I looked up uh, when I saw the schedule. I looked up the typical temperature in September is a, average temperature is 88 degrees. And I'm guessing the humidity is going to be up there. So if you're talking about a uh, one o'clock kickoff. I'm oh. guessing you might want to wear an undershirt, Paul. Oh boy. Uh, I think I need an antiperspirant, uh, endorsement right about now, uh, for that game. That'll be, yeah. Uh, wow. You were, you were on the sideline in 09, correct? The, the day yeah. Kurt Warner set the, at the time, the completion percentage record, that was the second week of the season. How was that? Miserable. It was, there was the heat and humidity. Now, if you're a player, it's great. Cause you can shower after the game and everything Us. Not so much. So I'm pretty sure, actually, I went to the very back of the plane and tried to get, which I socially distanced 12 years before social <laughs> distancing was actually in vogue, just to make sure I wasn't uh, offensive to anyone, you know, the old factory, if you will. So that's, <laughs> honestly, I'd rather deal with Green Bay freezing cold temps 
and all that and just wear layers as opposed to the Jacksonville heat and humidity and direct sunlight on that sideline. I mean, I think if we were doing sideline reporter power poles and that makes sense, but from a, from a player perspective, I think that the Jacksonville game, the being hot won't have any effect on how you play. It's the Chicago one where the wind and the cold and possible snow, that's the one where it's more of a wild card to me, like, especially Kyler's from Texas. All these guys seem to grow up in Texas. They play in Arizona. Like they're used to the heat and there's some humidity around. So I think, I don't think that weather will be an issue. Chicago could be another story. Some wind, you know, just even if it's not even cold, if it's windy, you always worry about the passing game there. Our producer, Jim Omohundro, just texted me, by the way, stop griping about that Jacksonville game. How about the <laughs> photographers who are on the sideline and, and the videographers in the Cardinals media department? Those were the guys yeah. who looked like death after the game. So, you know what? Larry Fitzgerald's hashtag champagne problems there, Calvisi. Move it along. <laughs> so, okay. You know, I was asked about the most intriguing game. And I'll be honest with you, Darren, you sort of hit on a little bit. I went week four at the Rams just because of the Sean McVay factor. 8-0 against three different Arizona Cardinals head coaches. That's got to end. And you're going to get an idea in week one as to the physicality of this team and how they compete and line up and match up against Tennessee. And then I think we're going to get a real good idea by the end of the first month, or at least week four, how they fare against Sean McVay and the Rams. To me, that's a real benchmark right now as to where the Cardinals are going to stand in their own division going against the Rams head coach. I don't think they necessarily need to win that game. And I get the record and all that, but when you're on the road against a team that I think a lot of people might pick to make the Super Bowl out of the NFC because what Stafford brings and what they did last season. I mean, when you're playing such good teams, to me, I look at the competitiveness of it, where if you lose by 17 points and you're down 10 at the half, then you worry a little bit, but if that game is close throughout, whether you win by a field goal, lose by a field goal, I mean, I think it more depends on how they look more so than the final score in that one. Because if you start hot and then you're competitive in that game and you play well on the road against a team that a lot of people think is going to be really good, I think that says a lot, no matter win or loss. But I'm just, I know I focus a lot less on wins and losses than other people, but I think that's the test that I'm looking at. Can you compete? on the road against the Rams. I know that, you know, there's a, there's a handful of games that I think are very intriguing, but I, I know one that really caught my eye was the, the Thursday night Packers game at home. Um, it's leading into the, the, you'll get a mini buy before your road trip to the 49ers. You're going to be coming off the emotional game of playing Houston, where we all know that JJ Watt and DeAndre Hopkins are going to be jacked up for that game. And I'm guessing that's going to seep through the rest of the locker room. So then you get the Packers on a short week and you're figuring there's probably going to be a few Packer fans in the stands at State Farm Stadium. And, and, and at this point, we don't even know for sure who the quarterback is going to be for the Packers, although the Packers are insisting Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. And the way the NFL put together their schedule with primetime games, they sure sound like they're pretty confident Aaron Rodgers is going to be quarterback in the Packers. So I, I think that's a huge game. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion there. And you, when you put it in prime time on a Thursday night, I, I think that that's one that's really caught my eye. I mean, Kyler against Blake Bortles, you know, that's a big primetime matchup right there. So, uh, you know, I mean, right. no, I'm with you on that one. No doubt. I mean, 
and they probably have an inkling as to the past history, Aaron Rodgers against the Cardinals. There's always fireworks. No, no doubt about that. What about, so that's a home game, a marquee home game. And then of course the home opener is against the Minnesota Vikings and Patrick Peterson. Get your tickets at azcardinals.com slash game ticks. That's game T I X uh, early. Do you prefer that Kyle? Just get the whole P2 drama out of the way early. Uh, I don't care either way, but that's where it is. And <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm very interested to see what it looks like. Is he going to follow DeAndre Hopkins? And the funny thing is, DeAndre Hopkins practiced so little in training camp last season that we didn't really see a bunch of Patrick Peterson versus D Hop. And maybe they did it in practice during the regular season, but we weren't able to watch that as much. So. What does that matchup look like? Or does Minnesota do something different defensively than Patrick is used to? You would think wherever he signed in free agency, he would make it clear that he still wants to do press man coverage and follow around number ones. And I mean, we've been talking about all offseason. Can Patrick Peterson still be a upper tier cornerback? And maybe we get our answer at State Farm Stadium when he's on the other team. And look, the fact of the matter is the second half of last season, the Cardinals didn't do a whole lot of that with Pat P. They just didn't. He, he wasn't assigned the other team's number one receiver to travel and shadow most of the game. They, they really went more sides with the two corners. So, yeah, I agree. What, what exactly are the Vikings going to do? And uh, Pat P might want to be that guy, but is he still that guy? Will he be, will he be allowed to prove that he's that guy? Because we all know you're working without a net when you're out there on the island. So uh, what's Mike Zimmer going to do about that exactly? It's obviously. And then you have the Dalvin Cook factor, just like Tennessee in week one. Darren, Minnesota comes in and a Mike Zimmer team is always hard nosed. And, you know, they're going to have the straight ahead run game with Dalvin Cook. So Zayman Collins, honestly, you could argue maybe the two biggest challenges in terms of a straight ahead power run game come in the first two weeks of your NFL career. I think that's a fair assessment and, and it is going to be very interesting where this team and, and you haven't even mentioned the fact that, you know, what exactly do the Cardinals plan on having up the middle? Is it, are they going to, are they going to bring back Corey Peters? Are they going to just say, Hey, you know, lucky photo, you're going to be our guy in the middle there and we're just going to rotate it around. Or we're going to have some Jordan Phillips in there once in a while. How are we going to kind of make that defensive line work? And I, you know, I, I think that's, you know, again, you do this as long as we have. I mean, you, you're usually able to find some fascinating aspects to every game. And even going back to the Patrick Peterson thing, like you guys are talking about who he's going to cover. I'm, I'm just curious about the kind of reception he gets. I mean, in my mind, he should get a great reception. And I think ultimately he will. But there's no question that there were people in the fan base that got bothered by him by the end. And I'm curious to know if that leaks out at all that day. Yeah, the trade demand has been something that has stuck with a lot of fans. There's no doubt about it. There, there's a certain percentage of the Red Sea that, that will cite that. And so, yeah, I, I'm curious as well what ex- sort of reception he's going to get exactly. Um, and how motivating is that? If he's, here's a few, few boos, you know. Buddha told a great story of going to Seattle, and we talked about the heckler, okay? And I, and I made the comment that, you know what, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I almost missed the 12s last year. Almost. I almost missed the Seattle Seahawks fans. And he smiled 
And I said, how amped up does that get you guys? And is that one of the reasons you won five out of your last seven in Seattle? He nodded. He said, absolutely. And then he cited the heckler who's over the visiting tunnel. And I said, is he ever uh, taken a shot at you? He said, oh, yeah. He said, two years ago, he called me, kept calling me the little guy. Hey, little guy. Hey, little guy. He said, and then Buddha paused. And he said, of course, that was the game where I, I put out two or three of the running backs. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. You absolutely did. So, you know, that's, that, I, I'm looking forward to that this year. No more of these empty stadiums like MetLife. We went there twice last year for the Giants and Jets. 80,000 empty seats. Thank goodness that's not going to be the case, knock on wood, this year. It's funny you bring up the Seattle game because, yeah, that crowd can get raucous and all that stuff. And it, it does seem like the Cardinals have benefited from that in some ways. But I, I've never been in a weirder, more eerie situation than that Seattle night game where you can kind of see the, the, the city out there, yet there's nobody in there. And it was at night. I mean, it was one thing to be at MetLife Stadium during the day when it was empty, but to have it be at night, it's, it, just, it just felt so weird. And you, you're hearing the guys down on the field. It's like a real game. They're yelling at each other and you can hear it loud and clear because it echoes off those seats down there. And it's like, it, you know, it just, it was so weird. And I'd rather not ever have to go through that again. The coaches, you, you guys know, the coach would bark out instructions right before the snap as if it was a youth flag football game because you could communicate with all your receivers or your DBs because there was no noise factor to contend with. A normal Seattle game at Seattle, you can be standing nose to nose with a guy and not hear him screaming at the top of your lungs. And in that game, you can shout halfway across the field a last second adjustment before they snap the ball. Uh, honestly, I, I thought the I, I thought quarterbacks were actually at a disadvantage last year in a lot of cases because defensive coaches would just shout out immediate adjustments. The Todd Bowles of the world will recognize your play before you snap it based on personnel and formation. And in this case, they would have the ability to communicate that not just to the guy wearing the headset, Mike, although it goes out 15 seconds before the snap, but basically your whole secondary. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Defensively, that's the advantage because obviously the offense calls the play and knows it wants what it wants to do. And defensively, we've seen it a lot. Sometimes guys are scrambling and figuring out what coverage they're in or what the personnel looks like on the other side and where everybody's lining up. And to have that helps. But even the 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 quarterback, like like you said, the the mic gets taken out 15 seconds before the playcock expires. But in that situation, maybe the coach is yelling at the quarterback to do something different because they see something. So all that will be wiped away. I mean, the crowd noise will be back and the home field advantage should be back where last season without the crowds. And I think a part of it was the officials weren't subconsciously swayed by having 80,000 people screaming at them and, what for whatever reason the home field advantage disappeared. So I think that will be back in full force this season. How about when you look at the middle of the season and you have that stretch where you go against Houston, Green Bay, the Niners, just the uncertainty of quarterback in a number of these games. Is it going to be Jimmy G or is it going to be the rookie Trey Lance? Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers or Blake Bortles, Jordan Love? Is it going to be Deshaun Watson? We figure not. Could it even be another rookie in Davis Mills uh, out of Stanford? You potentially, Darren, could have four rookie quarterbacks. I was talking to Buddha about this. Think about that. You, you could have uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and whoever the Texans are going to run out there, the Stanford kid. There could be an opportunity for a lot of experienced DBs to get fat. 
on some of these rookie quarterbacks. And I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the year, the Cardinals schedule doesn't appear to be nearly as difficult at first glance, just based on the fact they might be playing the lesser of two quarterbacks in a lot of these matchups. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to just pump the brakes on that uh, concept just for the mere fact that after uh, Tua and Jalen Hurts did pretty well against this defense at the end of last year, I don't know if I'm like, Hey, bring on the rookie quarterbacks, but I would, I would tend to agree. I, I got to be honest. I'm excited with that possibility. I mean, as a, as a, as somebody watches the league and is a fan, I, I love the fact we get to see Trevor Lawrence this year. Um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with the 49ers and whether it is Trey Lance, especially, you know, the possibility of like, maybe we see Jimmy G in the first game and Trey Lance in the second game. We'll see, depending on how the season goes, the fact that that deep in the year, you could have Justin Fields in the lineup for the Bears. I mean, that that's intriguing to me because I'm just like everybody else. I mean, it's like, it's like when this team, uh, you know, even going all the way back, it's even back when this team had Matt Leiner, you, you're intrigued to see what happens when he gets on the field. And obviously that didn't turn out well long-term, but when he, when he first got on the field, those first couple of, I mean, not Atlanta, but the Chiefs start and the Bears start. They the Vikings? Leiner had over 400 yards passing that Vikings game early? Oh, yeah, but they, all, they ran the ball five times that day. He better have had over 400 yards passing. Uh, anyways, I, I just, I feel like it just, and adds a storyline that whether he's good or not, it doesn't matter. It just, you're going to be able to talk about it no matter what. And yeah, there might be a little bonus for your defense because you feel like they won't be ready to be really good. But you know what? I think there were, there were times when Kyler Murray was really good as a rookie and there were times when the other team didn't really want to deal with him. So, I mean, it's, it's somewhat of a crapshoot. It's really vexing for Pauly Podcasts when I have a nice hot take going and then uh, Darren and Kyle shoot it down with actual facts like the Jalen Hurts and Tua uh, comparison to last year, the rookie quarterback. You know, it just sends me back to the drawing board. I have to call an audible going forward. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know it's, it looks good, you know, until uh, it actually we hash it out here on Cardinals Underground. But that's why we're here. You know, it's a process. You, you got to do the other side of it. There's been plenty of rookie quarterbacks that the Cardinals feasted on. You just got to pull out some of those names and fire back, Paul. <laughs> That's right. What about, okay, I'll fire one off at Dave Pash. He says he hates the bye week. He thinks it's too late in the season. Wolf loves it. Uh, my take, if you're a playoff team, I think it's excellent because that's a great time to get a break if you have plans and designs on going into the postseason. So, and especially this postseason, which is going to start in mid-January and you hopefully you're playing into February, but what do you think, Kyle? What's, what's your takeaway on that week 12 bye, which is about as late as it gets? Check this out, Paul. I'm about to agree with you. Should we, like, have some sort of celebration or something? <laughs> this will be the clip we feature on the tweet. <laughs> the one time we agree. Now, I, I, I think you're, you're right on. I, I mean, you have to have it at some point, but I think later is better, especially now that you're pushing it to an 18-week regular season and things are just going to get more stretched out. It seems like that's kind of the time of year when a lot of injuries are popping up and, and guys have been through a lot already. So I think that little breather and then if you can recalibrate and get healthy and, and try to make a strong stretch run and, and do something in the playoffs, 
I mean, if I was like week six or week seven by week eight, I mean, that's, that's pretty early. That's a lot of games late to have to deal with. So I'm right with you. I think the later by, especially in a, in an 18 week schedule, I think it's a good thing. I think it, I, I'm going to agree with both of you guys. I think it's a, it's good timing. I think uh, there's, there's, it's just a perfect time for a rest going into the stretch run, assuming you have a stretch run that matters. Um, I love the fact that it splits up a back-to-back road road games. I mean, it, without that buy, you're going to uh, Seattle and then to Chicago. This way, hey, you're you're in a situation where you get some rest. I, I don't think anybody's going to complain if you're a coach or a player that your bye week happens to land on Thanksgiving week. I mean, that's that's not bad at all in terms of a holiday situation, and uh, you know, and quite frankly. Uh, I know there were some of us that were speculating before we knew about the Christmas game about the fact that the Cardinals were playing in Dallas and in Detroit. There was a chance that this team could play on Thanksgiving and to go from thinking they might play on Thanksgiving to having that entire week off is a big deal. You know, that's true. You know, let's give thanks on that one. You're absolutely right. I I didn't think about that. What could have been, you're absolutely right on that one. Then there's what is down the stretch they come the final three games two of the three at home you have the Colts in week 16 that's the Christmas game Darren referred to Kyle then you're at Dallas and then week 18 the finale at home against the Seattle Seahawks I'm thinking you know what if the Cardinals are in the playoff chase you figure Russell Wilson at least regular season Russ is how it's been as of late they're going to be right up there vying for a division crown if Dallas is any good with Dak Prescott and Dan Quinn can figure out that defense, there is a chance those last two games based on the opponent and the stakes could be flexed into a, a primetime game, perhaps, but either way, those, you know, that's how the Cardinals finish Colts, Cowboys, Seahawks, Kyle. Yeah. I think it's, it's obviously a quite the gauntlet down the stretch. I mean, we'll see how the Colts look and we'll see how the Cowboys look. It's not a guarantee that, all three of those teams are going to be in the playoff hunt. But when you look at the strength of their rosters, I certainly think all three are going to be above 500 next season. So it's, it's a huge slate and I think you're going to have to make some hay early because the Cardinals do have probably what four games against teams that they definitively will be favored against pretty heavily and need to take care of business in all those games. So you're set up late where, even if you win one of those three, you can still get in. I think if you go two and two and one in that, you feel pretty good about where you are. Um, but what we saw last year, if you don't have breathing room, one injury to Kyler Murray or one issue, a, a bad game, th- then you can get sunk. So I think the Cardinals need to be in good position. And then this season, if they finish it off better, then we are talking about making the playoffs instead of getting sent home a tiebreaker short. And I know the Dallas Cowboys spent their first half dozen draft picks on defense, but I'm not going to believe they have a stout defense until we see it. That's a lot to put on Dan Quinn, the new defensive coordinator. So right now I have the Cardinals marked down for another 40 burger in big D going against that defense based on what we saw last season. Uh, We'll see about that. I'm not exactly sure, but in terms of a venue to travel to, if you're to pick out a road game as a fan and go to that game, there's a lot to like Nashville, obviously very cool trip, Chicago, so much to do in the city of Chicago. If you guys had to pick one, honestly, I'd probably go with Dallas just for the football experience. Just the stadium itself. If you've never been is such a cool experience. And uh, 
that would probably be the one I pick out just from a football perspective. Now, if you're looking for more on a football weekend, perhaps you go another direction. Darren, what if you were the travel agent and one of the member of the Red Sea said, Hey, I want to do a Cardinals road trip this season, which destination are you picking? That's an excellent question there, Paul. I mean, I, I feel like there's there's a couple places in terms of like a football experience and a cool city. Like, look, I, I love Seattle and I don't think anybody's going to argue that it's a very cool experience football wise. Now, if you're going in there wearing a Cardinals Jersey, I, I don't know if that would be my first choice with some of those fans, but I mean, even a trip to Cleveland to watch that Baker Kyler game, I, I, I think there's stuff, some interesting things to do in Cleveland. I don't think it's, as bad of a trip as it could be. And, and again, that's like a super cool experience. And, and you mentioned Chicago, which is just a great city. And again, another uh, place with long history in terms of their football team. So I don't think that that's that bad. Last time we went to Chicago, we were in an old pizzeria joint and on the wall was a classic Chicago Cardinals football pennant in a glass case. I'm going back this year and I'm going to be packing a wad of cash. I'm going to be like Buda Baker buying out his own jerseys. <laughs> I'm going to make that guy an offer. He can't refuse. He rebuffed all my offers the last time we were there, which was what, 2015, I think, last time we were in Chicago. This time I'm going in packing. And I mean, you know, cash, I'm going to put it right on the counter for the owner of that pizzeria joint. I'm coming home with that old Chicago Cardinals pennant from the 40s. And that 2015 trip was perfect because it was week two I believe early so the weather was great I caught a Cubs game the day before it was a fantastic trip my family's from back there so in most instances I would say Chicago is the best trip and then you look at the schedule and you see December so I have to cross it out too cold for me I'm an Arizona kid native I think I think Nashville is the spot this year season opener should be a lot of fun to see the game. And before that, I mean, the first time I went to Nashville, it was just awesome to go to their main drag there and all the country music. So I think if you're talking about an overall trip, weather, experience, football, to me, it's that Titans game. I think it's the best combination of everything. And I'll still put Chicago second, even with the cold. I know uh, I know our producer, Jim Omohundro, just made the point, and I've seen this on some places that – the, the Cardinals are going to be in Los Angeles playing the Rams in week four, and they also play uh, – ASU plays UCLA the day before. So you could – if you're talking about strictly a sports experience, you could do the double dip of ASU and UCLA and then the next day go watch Rams-Cardinals. So there's always that possibility, and that's drivable. So And, and as cool as the Cowboys Stadium is, SoFi Stadium, if you want to see what five-plus billion dollars buys in terms of a football stadium – it's really cool. And now they sank that stadium halfway underground and they dug that huge pit and they sunk from afar. When you come pulling up, you're like, really? And then you realize that a lot of it is just underground and they just sunk that building in. And there were zero fans at Rams games last year. They had zero fans. The only people that have seen it are the teams and staffers and media members. That's it. And so I remember we went into the visiting radio booth in the last game of the season and we were the first ones to use the visiting radio booth. And that was in week 17. And so that, that building is ultra cool with the translucent lighting and, and so forth. So if you're looking for an easy trip to go over to LA for Holmes Point to see ASU and then the Cardinals, yeah, that would be the weekend, October 2nd 
and October 3rd. So otherwise, you know, look, the Niners trip isn't nearly what it used to be because you're not near San Francisco anymore. And Levi's Stadium doesn't have half the character that old Candlestick did as a guy who grew up going to games there. Uh, Jacksonville, I don't think many people are going to be doing that. We'll have had enough of the heat and through Arizona on that one. But yeah, Cleveland's sort of a sleeper. You're right, Darren. And the fans are at least civil. They're rowdy. They're enthusiastic. But I think you can walk into a Cleveland Browns game wearing a Cardinals jersey and not fear for your life. It's more akin to Lambeau, where the fans will welcome you as opposed to, oh, I don't know, the black hole wearing the opposing jersey. I don't know. When we went to Cleveland, they were in a pretty big rut record-wise and success-wise. Now now that they're rolling a little bit, maybe they're puffing out their chest, ready to, to talk some smack. It might be a little different uh, scene there this year. You know what? One of the great moments on the sideline, Cardinals last time they were in Cleveland, refresh my memory, they were down big. Wasn't it like 20 to 7 at halftime? Yeah. They looked flat. Bruce Arians ripped them at halftime. They came out, they rallied, they won the game. And I'll never forget, there's about 30 seconds to go. And the Browns fans who were really mouthy in the first half in the front row behind the Cardinals visiting bench, Tyron Matthew, let him have it. He, he kept it clean. He's like, but I still remember Tyron yelling at all those Browns fans. Y'all really thought you were going to win. You didn't really <laughs> think you were going to win, did you? And all the fans were there just silent with their heads down. And Tyron's like, come on now. He's all there's two halves around here. You weren't going to, there's no way we were going to let you win this game. That was, that was 2015 was too, when the Cardinals yeah. were really good. That, yeah. They, they were going to come back in that one at some point. Yeah. Uh, so I know you guys are asking yourself, well, when's Calvisi going to get to the hot take? You know what I've been thinking, gentlemen, if you really don't like an aspect of your schedule, I think there should be a way where you can trade a slot on your schedule with another team. The Saints have five stinking primetime games. I don't know how that works. It's sort of like the whole comp pick thing. I mean, there needs to be an investigation in exactly how some of these comp picks are awarded in these primetime games. You know, what if you had the ability to swap out a time slot with another team and then give them a seventh round choice and some cash considerations? <laughs> there should be a window where after the schedule is released where you can make a few maneuvers in a trade with another team to maybe uh, take their time slot. And, uh, you know, and, and I just, there should be the ability, I think, to, uh, if you have that desire, if you really think, you know what, the NFL's sleeping on our team and we think we have something here, sort of like 2014, 2015, when the Cardinals thought, you know, they had a burgeoning juggernaut of a team and they went all in with all or nothing and said, you know what, we're going to document this because we know we have something. The outside world may not believe in us just yet because these TV schedules are always seemingly a year behind recognizing an up-and-coming team. Well, I mean, it's not quite a trade, Paul, but, I mean, there is this thing called flexible scheduling, and the league is actually extending that all the way as early as week five now. So if they do show some things, uh, there is a chance that they're going to get moved around. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, again, where, where's the thought for those of us who want to get to bed at a decent time? I don't want to be working until midnight or one. Yeah, I feel sorry for those guys, those schleps doing morning radio after some of these primetime games. Thank goodness that's only Ron Wolfley these days. So are you telling me the flex scheduling now starts in week five? I knew it was earlier. I didn't realize it was. His... So you're telling me that Cardinals at Cleveland, Baker and Kyler could be flexed into a primetime game? 
Yes. The only, the, the only difference is, is like, you can't, I mean, it's gotta be an afternoon game if I saw correctly. Uh, I, I don't know if it can be a morning game. Uh, yeah. Only Sunday afternoon games are eligible to be moved to Sunday night, but the, the Browns game is a great example. Uh, and maybe that's wise. Maybe it's because those are the, the big time. So yeah, if, if there's a decision and I have no idea what the Sunday night game is scheduled to be week five, uh, it's going to be no. It, it's going to be nowhere near the excitement of Week Four Sunday night game, as we talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, there's still an outside chance that that Browns and and Cardinals could be Sunday night football. But I would think that at that early in the season, you'd be talking about either a major injury or something got sideways with a, whoever's supposed to be in Sunday night football right now, and or the Browns and the Cardinals would have to be off to a tremendously hot start because that's awful early. Well, look what the Cardinals did last year. They started five and two, and Kyler Murray was a legitimate MVP candidate. I've seen a lot of these NFL analysts and talking heads saying that from top to bottom, the Cleveland Browns have the most talented roster in the NFL right now. So to me, it's not inconceivable that by the time they meet in week seven, that guess what? That could be a serious marquee matchup. And then you have the sub storyline of the two quarterbacks and the whole Oklahoma connection. I, that's one I have my eye on. I started this podcast by saying I was shocked that wasn't a prime time. And now you're telling me that they have the ability to flex it. That makes sense to me that they didn't put that in the first month of the season, but it's after week five. So maybe the, maybe the NFL and the networks do have their eye on that game. Yeah. And I, I think Kyler Murray is marketable enough where it's going to be a, a legitimate option for several of these games. The Cardinals play a lot of games against high caliber competition. Like you look at the schedule and you look at, potential playoff team, potential playoff team, Super Bowl contender, playoff team. Like there's there's a lot of them in a row. And if Kyler Murray does take that step and he's as dazzling as he was in the beginning of last season consistently, and you're talking about him in the MVP conversation, if he can get there, then all of a sudden I think the Cardinals start becoming one of those it teams. If, if they beat the Rams on the road in week four and start winning early, then maybe the narrative changes. But for now, like we talked about, three primetime games to me made sense for now. And then if they prove it on the field, you've got the star quarterback that everybody likes watching. He's so dynamic with his feet that he's fun to watch. I think the possibility is certainly there for them to add primetime games getting flexed. So uh, I looked up the Sunday night game for that week six when the, the, the Cardinals are at Cleveland, and it is another NFC West, AFC West, West uh, AFC North matchup, uh, Seattle and Pittsburgh. So, I mean, you're expecting Seattle to be pretty good, but you don't know what Pittsburgh is going to have this year with Ben Roethlisberger. That's that's definitely one that could get a little bit sideways, although I would think it would be very, very difficult uh, for NBC to give up the Pittsburgh Steelers on a Sunday night game, although Cleveland's got a pretty decent fan base, too. It, it, it would be – that that would be – when I first looked it up, I, I looked at the wrong week, and it was Bill's Chiefs, and I'm like, yeah, Bill's Chiefs isn't going anywhere on Sunday night. But Seahawks-Steelers I could see possibly. I mean, if the Steelers are 1-4 and four and the Browns are 4-1, and one, which is plausible, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, that's a good point, Aaron. I, I, I absolutely. That's the kind of matchup that could get flexed out early in the year if the Steelers pick up where they left off the end of last season, right? And continue to uh, scream that they need a rebuild. So, uh, yeah, that's it. What about the preseason? Are we going to see? Last question here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by 
uh, Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Are we going to see Patrick Mahomes in week two of the preseason or not? Kyle Odegaard. Week two, man, I doubt it. With At this point, if you're Patrick Mahomes, just put that man in bubble wrap until week one. Why would you even chance anything? He doesn't need to play in the preseason. So I think we'll physically see him but he'll be on the sidelines. It'll, it'll be interesting. It is an ESPN game, so you know they're going to hope. I, before we get out of here, though, Paul, uh, there's one crucial schedule question I have to ask you. Oh, boy. Is Larry Fitzgerald going to play in any of these games? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Um, let's see. When is the first, uh, you know, maybe Larry sort of joins late like a Dwight Freeney. And maybe it is week six at Cleveland. And uh, that puts it that that's the nail in the coffin. They flex it into prime time. Uh, you know, let's 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 just hope your other prediction about him playing for Minnesota doesn't come true. And then we got to have him come back here in week two. Yeah. You know what? Look, this is just my own personal shout out to the Red Sea. Uh, and you're going to you're going to thank me for giving out the website one more time. ACCardinals.com slash game ticks. That's game T.I.X. Week two, Minnesota, the return of Patrick Peterson. And Larry Fitzgerald. How does that grab you? How does that sort of headline grab you for a home opener when number 11 in purple is out on the field? See, this is where you stir the hornet's nest, Paul. I'm telling you, from Vikings ball boy at 15 years of age to Vikings receiver, the number three receiver in that rotation and reliable slot receiver, 75 catches working the underneath, as a Vikings and then sharing his place with Pat P in the Twin Cities. I'm telling you, that's that's on the radar. I know how to cut audio now, so I'm going to clip off that and put it on Twitter and say breaking news from Paul Calvisi. <laughs> First, get my gripes in there as well, okay? And then tag <laughs> Roger Goodell on this as well, please, okay? That'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. <laughs>